Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You're listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast, episode 43. You are listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with Dr. Abby Metcalf. Change your relationship even if your partner won't do a thing. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Relationships Made Easy podcast. I am your ever-loving host, Dr. Abby Metcalf, and it's great to be here today. We're talking about one of my favorite topics that has come in from so many of you uh, that I can't I I can't even give a shout out to one because I've gotten so many responses and so many emails and Facebook posts and everything else asking how do you change habits? You know all the things that we're talking about in this podcast and really in life are about how to change habits and how to you know institute healthy ones, get rid of the unhealthy ones. So. I'm going to break it down for you today. How do you make habits that stick? How do you change what you're doing and make habits that stick? That's what you're going to learn today. You are in the right place if you care about a habit. And I'm going to talk about relationship habits, of course, but this is if you want to start working out or eating well or saving money or whatever it is that you're looking to do or change or get into the habit of, this is for you today. So I'm going to jump right in because there has been a lot of things that I've heard about how long it takes to change a habit over the years. I've heard all kinds of things. I used to hear, um, you know, it takes 13 consecutive days. Uh, then I've heard six months. Uh, I've heard 13 weeks. That number 13 flies around a lot. And, you know, some fact gets into some blog post or article or whatever, and then everyone is, you know, saying that's the truth. But I'm going to give you uh, some good research today. And because there really has been research in this area, and we really do know how long it takes to change a habit. (laughs) And some of the best research that's been replicated is from the fabulous Philippa Lally at the University College London. And in a study published in the European Journal of Social Psychology, kind of famously, Lally and her research team, they outlined their investigation about just how long it actually takes to form a habit. So if you really want to go there, we can link to it in the show notes. But um it's it's good stuff. So what they found is that it takes, on average, I'm not going to make you wait for it. Don't you love that? 66 days to make a new habit. 
So that's a little more than two months before a new behavior becomes automatic. And so what I tell people is that you have to give it three months because that's an average of 66 days and you might be someone who leans on the long side. So three months to make a new habit. Think of it that way. Uh, They also found that how long it takes to create a new habit of course, can vary widely depending on the behavior and the person and the circumstances. So I do want to say that, but there's, there's our basics. So using this, and I, so I'm going to say a three month rule when you think of doing and incorporating anything new is really, that's where you want to be. That that's the focus you want to have. So let's break all this down. What is a habit anyway? So what the heck is a habit? And you know, you're, brain is always looking for the easiest way of doing something so it can conserve energy. That's what your brain is about. Wants to conserve energy, doesn't want to waste a lot of uh, brain power on stuff that it can just know. So basically, this efficiency, this being efficient is what we call a habit. And research shows that as many as, get this, 40% of your daily actions are based on habits, not conscious decisions. You don't consciously decide to do things. It just, it's autopilot. And uh, a man named Charles Duhigg wrote a really famous book called Habits, which I love, highly recommend. Again, we can link to it in the show notes. And I love it because he breaks down habits into a three-part loop. And, And most people are trying to change the wrong thing in the loop. Okay. So basically there's some kind of external cue. So something happens in your environment, something something goes on. And then there's a routine. This is what you usually do when this particular, you know, this cue or this trigger presents itself. So for some people, I I just was working with a client around stopping smoking, for example. So they get some external cue from their environment. Sometimes it's time of day. Um, You know, they always have a cigarette after lunch or sometimes it's a, it's a cue like boredom. Sometimes it's transition. You know, they, they're leaving work, they're getting to work, they're in the car, they're getting at home, they're, you know, it's some kind of transition, but it's something that happens, some cue. And then the routine is they get a cigarette out. Okay. But then the third part of the loop, so there's a cue, there's a routine, and then there's a reward. Now, this is, it's some feeling of success. Uh, So it's some feeling that you get, and I don't think it's just success. Uh, Duhigg talks about it like that. But, and I actually think what's important is that you figure out what your reward is for a certain behavior. And I will tell you what I've noticed is that most behaviors like smoking, eating, um, you know, uh, 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 having a drink, uh, you know, smoking a joint, all these things, usually there's there's an external cue. Maybe you're really stressed. Maybe you're anxious. Maybe you're, again, time of day, you know, it's 12 o'clock, I'm going to eat, you know, that kind of thing. And again, you have a routine. Now I go for lunch. Now I have a cigarette. Now I have a drink, whatever I do. And then, but the reward, I really want to say, isn't just success. And that, and so I'm, I'm kind of fighting Charles here. What, what the reward often is, is some kind of escape, some feeling of being able to check out for a little while of not dealing with negative emotions or things that you assume are negative emotions. If you've listened to my broadcast, you know, there's no negative emotions, Uh, but you know, things that we put into that category of unpleasant ones. It's usually some just pause button in your day where you get to, again, kind of check out or escape or um, get some relaxation in the course of your day. And that is what you need to change. So 
what you need to change is, I'm sorry, that's not what you need to change. Sorry. What you need to change is the routine, not that. So what happens is sometimes, for example, someone will say, I just had this not long ago. Uh, someone was always eating uh, snacks in their break room at work. There's always these like great snacks there and they were trying to lose weight. And so they were like, okay, for now on, I'm going to have a carrot in my mouth when I go in the break room. And, and I said, that's not going to work. They're like, well, why isn't that going to work? It's going to work. And they fought me on it. So I said, all right, go ahead. And sure enough, about two weeks later, it came back to me and said, how did, how did you know that wasn't going to work? I tried the carrot. It didn't work. I said, because you were trying to change your reward and not your routine. So, uh huh. So the reward is not just eating, you know, the yummy snacks in the break room. I, I started asking this person, like, well, what, what is it that you get when you're in the break room? And it really is. There's this time to relax, to bond with people, to forget about work for a few minutes. So, yeah, it's nice to have a cookie, but really it's this camaraderie, it's this social interaction. It's this feeling of checking out of work for a moment and just having a break. And so, that's why the carrot didn't work. It didn't give any of that. And so instead, uh, my friend had to change their routine. <clears throat> so they really needed to uh, not go in the break. So what they ended up doing was eating first before going in the break room. But also they started going for a walk outside. They actually asked a friend to take a walk instead of doing the break room thing um, every day at a certain time. They, they really changed the routine completely. And so when they did go to the break room later, it wasn't that same trigger. They didn't feel triggered in the same way, right? Because they weren't looking to escape or anything else. Maybe they were just going in for some water or something and they were able to avoid the sweets. And so that's a very simple, quick way of saying all that, but I'm hoping you get what I'm talking about. Now, here's the problem. Habits are super resilient because learning and maintaining habits is stored in a part of your brain called the basal ganglia. And uh, this is a part of our brain that can function normally even if the rest of your brain is damaged. How crazy is that? This is this is how primal habits are. And this resilience means this way that it can work no matter what, it, it means it's hard to kick it. It's hard to kick a bad habit. And you know, there's often this chance of relapsing. That's why it's so hard. This is on such autopilot, this part of the brain, <clears throat> and it's so ingrained. So kicking a habit can be hard because you develop again, this like craving for the reward that's at the end of that habit loop. So the craving is what makes your habit stick. Once you become used to that kind of cue, routine, reward, or trigger, routine, reward habit, your brain will start anticipating the reward even before you get it. So if you deny the reward, guess what happens? You probably get frustrated and grumpy. Does that sound familiar, right? So what you want to do uh, is is think about this a little differently. Now, when I say craving here, I want to be clear about what I'm talking about. Craving, again, food, sex, drugs, sure, but it's also an intense, it's it's urgent, it's it's a powerful feeling for doing something, for saying something, for having something. You you know these things. It's it's not always like just a thing. It's it you know just a, a food or sex or a drink. It's, you might have a craving to say something to your partner. So if your partner forgets to pick up after himself or asks you for the fifth time to take out the garbage, you might find yourself having an immediate urgent craving or desire to lash out or to make them feel as bad as you feel about something. This is really a habit loop. It's something that's been reinforced over time. 
I don't think if your partner had asked you on your second date to turn off the lights on the way out of the house that you would have shouted, I've got it. You don't need to remind me about everything. I don't think that would have been where you went. So, you know, you wouldn't have thought much of it. It's the repetition that creates the issue. Your partner asking this every day for the last four years, as with most things we crave, it's that repetition. It's not from the very first time generally that we've tried or done something. So changing relationship habits is like changing other habits. There, again, are these two crucial keys to changing those. You need to substitute the routine for something else, like I already mentioned, right? So you respond to the craving, but again, you, you substitute something healthy in the routine. Again, you get that same, you want the same reward, but you want to substitute something healthy. So you're not resisting the craving, you end up just redirecting it or the desire or the urge, you're going to redirect it. And the the cue is the same often and the reward is the same, but that routine is going to change. And then the second thing it's crucial to change a habit is you need to believe in the change. You've got to believe in the possibility of change, you know, for yourself, for your relationship, whatever it is. This makes you stronger, of course, and more resilient when you, the stressful stuff comes up. So, now, what happens for most people is that they try to change the, again, the cue or the reward instead of the routine, and that's where they often get in trouble. So I'm going to give you an example of a, a, from a couple I've been working with. And, you know, morning times are super tense in their house. So they've got two kids, um, they're about 12 and 14, and getting everyone to work in school each morning creates a ton of tension. Yes, this is probably your home. Okay. There were, and right now, people who have seen me are listening going, is that us? And there's like 20 of you doing that because this is such a common scenario. So for this couple, there was almost always this fighting, the nagging, the yelling. And by the time both of these adults got to work, they were already feeling frustrated and annoyed. And they kept trying to bribe the kids to get up on their own you know, so they would wake themselves up, they'd have promises of an increased allowance or threatening to punish them or just about anything you could imagine. And they were both the the two, both of these people in the couple were both sleeping as late as possible, as so many of my clients do in the morning. So they could get in that needed sleep before dealing with their day. You know, they were really focused on that. Abby, I can't wake up earlier. There's no way. And the issue was them trying to do something different with the reward. You know, the kids weren't they, they just weren't biting on this one, you know, and once I taught them the system, they decided to look at their routine. Now, there are lots of places to deal with the routine here. So we tried a few things. And what ultimately worked was both parents waking up about 15 minutes earlier than they used to. I know it's really not a lot, but this is what we came down to. And this gave them time to get themselves together completely before waking up their boys. They also started waking the boys up about five minutes earlier than needed. So then each parent took a kid <laughs> and just sat on the bed with them for a few minutes and they'd rub their back a little. Um. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. By the way, teens are way more amenable to some snuggling and touching when they're tired. I've noticed this with my own, which I love. Um, you know, they would speak to them gently, you know, uh, you know, and or just gently be there. And this is very different than the yelling and the threats, right? So no yelling or threats from the kitchen to get out of bed already. No bribes were offered. They just sat with them and controlled them until they actually got out of bed. Now, by the way, they also changed some of the routines at night so that the mornings could be easier. So they would like check the backpacks at night, you know, that they were totally ready to go. Any athletic gear, they'd look at the schedule. Oh, there's a soccer game tomorrow. There's a baseball game. Do we have cleats? Do we have the uniform, right? All that was found at night instead of that mad dash in the morning. So all of that, that changed too, which, and I asked them to time it. Uh, and what they said was at night, this act to get everything together and the backpacks and everything was actually taking about three minutes. Is this crazy? Three minutes. Whereas in the morning when you do it, doesn't it seem like it takes an hour to get all the stuff together? Uh, and your time is so much more precious in the morning in a different way. So here's, these are the changes they made in the routine and they saw such improvement that they eventually moved their wake up time to 30 minutes earlier. Okay, I know in the morning, I didn't even ask them to, but, and guess what? Sometimes they even had sex in the morning. Now there's a way to start your day in a good mood, right? So, and they also noticed, and this was a biggie, that the boys were in a much better moods in the morning, almost immediately. So, cause all that tension, that crazy rushing was really taken out. You still have some, trust me, it's impossible with, <laughs> with teenagers not to have any or little kids or anybody might have, but it was so much less. So this is not to say again, you know, like those mornings were not perfect and there was never, you know, sometimes there was a last minute homework assignment forgotten, or, you know, again, the cleats were left at home or something. It happens. But overall, the mornings became completely different experiences and the rewards actually became better, better. So, okay. So now I'm going to tell you about something called getting, <laughs> so getting a good nudge, get, I'm going to talk about nudges. And yeah, this isn't some like weird sexual thing, uh, but, <laughs> and there was a great book called Nudge. Uh, this is by, uh, I'll link to it in the show notes. It's like Richard Thaler and uh, sorry. Oh, Cass, uh, Sunstein. And they describe another way to help change habits for good. And they call these nudges. <laughs> well, I call it nudge, but it's probably a nudge. Uh, and nudges are, they're subtle kind of changes in context that help us avoid making bad decisions. So in other words, they're like, they're like little pushes. It's a nudge. It's a little push in the right direction. They make it easier to choose the right thing. So an example of a good nudge would be putting uh, a fruit in clearly visible spot in your refrigerator and keeping the junk food hidden away in a drawer, right? That's a, that's a nudge, just a gentle little change in the environment that makes it easier to choose the right thing. So you have the choice to eat the candy bar or the apple, but the placement is going to prompt you to make, go for the healthier choice, at least a lot easier and quicker. Another great nudge might be leaving out your workout clothes the night before. So you can easily get to the gym in the morning. Uh, a great nudge in your relationships could be having a reminder written on the fridge or that dings on your phone to think of one positive thing about your partner. That's a nice little nudge, right? Uh, 
So as you're attempting to make good choices in your relationship, you want to set yourself up for success. Got to do it. Got to do it. So making wrong decisions is easy when we have uh, an immediate payoff and don't feel the negative consequence until later, right? So if you're, if you're stopping for a few drinks after work or snapping at your partner when you're in a bad mood, that's like an immediate payoff. And so if it's, it's, it's so easy that way, it's easy to, to go with the wrong thing. And the people who are successful achieving goals or making change or making lasting changes, they tend to use these little nudges along the way. They tend to use these little things so that they can, it's a little easier to do. It's a, it's just that much easier to make it happen. Now, I also, uh, want to mention that sometimes there's these things we call uh, keystone habits that that and these are these um, habits that are really um, the thing that when you do that, other things become easier. So when you focus on that one thing, other things will take root. So for example, I my keystone habit I have, as you all know, is working out first thing in the morning very early. I get up really early and I work out. And uh, that really does help me eat better all day. It just, because I've already worked out, I don't want to, you know, blow it. <laughs> and so even if I have, everyone who knows me knows I have treats, but I, um, I won't overeat those treats generally because I've already worked out. So, you know, trying to change everything at once is what the issue is. So if you're trying, you know, if you're in boot camp and you're trying to change your food and you're, and you're also going to uh, start practicing your guitar every night and you're going to start, you know, I'm not going to drink anymore. And I'm not, I mean, hey, people take on usually everything to like clean up their entire lives. It's way too much. So what you want to do, these keystone habits create small wins and, and, you know, kind of quick or early successes. And once you have one win, you believe that more wins are possible and you get that domino effect. So this is why, uh, you know, you might, or you might start your day with meditating for two minutes a day, two minutes a day you start with, and then you kind of build from there. Uh, all of these things are, are, you know, write a gratitude list in the morning, pray for five minutes, get up and work out, you know, one thing. And you can do it and it will have positive effects elsewhere. So you might also, if you do these things, you'll have more patience, you know, meditating, for example, you'll have more patience with your partner and more willpower when you're trying to eat healthfully. So, so changing the next habits becomes easier if you have a good keystone habit. So I, do, I will say that, you know, figuring out that one central habit is great. Now, I also, to help you on your habit journey, <laughs> I want to talk to you about action triggers. And this is, um, Dr. Peter, I don't know how to say his name well. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Dr. Peter. It's Galwitzer of NYU. He's like a pioneer in these things called action triggers, which are excellent, excellent ways to create new healthy habits. And basically, action triggers can be broken down into, into like, if this, then that. So you might say to yourself, okay, today, after I finish my 11 o'clock meeting, I'm going to go to the gym. If, you know, Goldster says, uh, and I'm going to quote him, you've made the decision to execute a certain action, like working out, when you encounter a certain situational trigger, completing your 11 o'clock meeting. By preloading the decision, we conserve our allotment of willpower and self, or self-control. And that's what's key. So when you preload it, it's already there when, you, when, it's, or when you've done it before. And it's really like I see a lot of moms when I'm dropping off my kids in in their kind of uh, Lululemon pant outfit. <laughs> and a lot of them, they drop off their kids and they go right to the gym. They don't go home. They don't go anywhere else. They, or they meet with a trainer or a friend to walk around the reservoir or something. They go do something right away. It's a trigger. It's an action trigger. They drop off the kids and then they go do this thing. And it's great because action tr triggers will help you. They'll 
for lack of a better term, they'll help you protect your goals and your new habits from distractions and other, you know, bad behaviors, you know, what we call competing behaviors, like let me go home and sit and watch, you know, Netflix for an hour instead. Um, Action triggers, though, need to be specific enough and visible enough to interrupt your normal thinking. And you can see how truly powerful action triggers are, I'll tell you this, when you look at all the unhealthy habits you've created with action triggers. So you, you've, you've been doing it for years. You've been just doing it the other way. Um, and I will tell you this. I remember way, way back when I quit smoking, I also quit drinking coffee. And I know I do not drink coffee. Can you imagine me on coffee? Scary thing. Uh, because the two, they just went together in my head. And every time I had coffee in those days, I would want to have a cigarette. And that's an action trigger. You know, you sit, you have a cup of coffee, you, you, you smoke. Um, I, some of you smoke, only smoke cigarettes when you drink. <laughs> some of you uh, go straight to the refrigerator whenever you walk in the house after work. Action triggers basically create, the, it's like an instant habit. And, and that in turn ends up with you on some sort of behavioral autopilot for better or for worse. So you you can choose which way it's going to go. And Goldwitz, Goldwitzer's research. So he's shown that action triggers can be incredibly successful in helping us reach our goals, but they're particularly useful with the difficult ones. So he, he the research he's done shows that with easy goals, using action triggers only slightly increased the success. It was like, it was from, I wrote it down, sorry. It was from 78 to 84%. So that's not a big thing with easy goals. But with hard goals, action triggers almost tripled, tripled the chances of success with goal completion jumping from 22 to 62%. Is that crazy? So the when you're looking at getting, you know, a, a, a bad habit, <laughs> a, a diff, I'm sorry, not a bad habit. When you're looking at uh, creating a, a new habit that's something difficult and really hard that you've tried over and over again, these uh, action triggers are the way to go. So and there was another study, there, there was a meta study analyzing over 8,000 people across, and that was across like 85 studies. That's what a meta study is. They take all these other studies and they put them all together. And they found that those who set action triggers did better than 74% of people on the same task who didn't set one. How do you like that? I, I don't know how much you get much better than now you really want an act, action trigger. So I want you to start to think about what action triggers you can put into your relationship for positive results, okay? What two things could you consciously and consistently put together? And uh, so, and I want to give you some examples. So, um, and these are right from my clients and stuff I've taught and things I do. Uh, one, you can set an intention before you walk in the house. I've, there's a whole podcast on setting intention. If you haven't listened to it yet, I'd really like you to. Um, so, before you walk in the house every day, set intention. Uh, I've already mentioned that like I go, you know, I get up and go to the gym every day, you know, every day, but that there's these other women who like drop off the kids and then go to the gym, right? That's an action trigger. Um, one of my favorite action triggers is whenever you walk in your house, instead of going right to the refrigerator, <laughs> go straight to your partner and greet them before you do anything else. Go straight to them. Say hi, make eye contact. Hey, I'm so happy you're home. Or, hey, it's so good to be home. Or, you know, really right there. Um, 
another thing I do, what I do, another thing I do is when I'm brushing my teeth, you know how that little, I have a little Sonicare thing and it goes for three minutes. <laughs> so while it's going, is it three minutes or two minutes? Whatever it goes for, it seems like an hour, but it, whatever that little <laughs> automatic thing goes for, I often will look at myself in the mirror and uh, think about things I'm grateful for about my partner while I'm brushing my teeth. Um, you, whenever the alarm goes off in the morning, you could just put your feet on the floor and set an intention there. Do something like that before you get out of bed. Uh, before, let's say another thing you could do anytime you drive to your job, you drive to work, you sit in the car, don't get out of your car and start meditating for two minutes. Set a timer, set the timer on your phone for two minutes, sit in the car. You don't have to go anywhere and meditate right there in the car for two minutes. So whenever you get there or when you first get, when you get to work, drive to work, I always say to drive to work first, because for a lot of people they're otherwise they're anxious about getting to work. And they, if they try to do it at home, they're anxious about getting on the road, you know, to get to work. So, <laughs> or getting the kids out the door, whatever it is, if you have to get the kids to school, do it when you get back in your car, or if you're walking home, you can, you know, maybe if you're lucky enough that you walk the kids to school, whatever it is right there, you drop them off or you get to work and you then sit in the car and you could meditate. You could bring a little book along and read for five minutes, something really inspiring and great for you. You could set the timer and you could pray for five minutes. You could, do you see all this stuff? I know. Um, anytime before you eat anything. So anytime that you go to sit to eat something, use that as a trigger, use an action trigger to maybe pray first or to just maybe ask yourself a question. Am I hungry? Maybe if you're trying to lose weight, like before you put something in your mouth, really think, am I hungry? Um, those are action triggers. Uh, I have a couple who I work with and they have a happy hour every weekday <laughs> from 5.30 to 6 in their home, the way their work goes. The, one of them works at home and one of them gets home. But, and they sit on their balcony and they have a drink together. Do you love this? They literally have happy hour on their balcony. They have like a little balcony off their bedroom and or and they get like special snacks they actually make like it's very funny like a house drink <laughs> and they just sit out there and they have a half hour and the kids know it's parent happy hour and they go and they sit outside and they have like special food they hide from the children things like that i think it's hysterical and it's sacred the kids know they can't bother them during that time and it's a half hour that they sit out there and it's just such a great trigger like every day at 5:30 we go do this thing so the thing you have to remember is that habits are going to form. They're going to form. So whether they form intentionally or not is up to you. Getting off of autopilot is up to you. So now I'm going to be doing some future broadcasts about habits also and changing habits. But I wanted you to have this as the start. That And again, I'll, uh, I'll have a little cute blog post about this also that I'll link to in the show notes where you know, I sort of lay out the cue and the routine and the reward and all that. But I really want you to get how important this is to start to change the way you approach changing habits in your life. So I hope today you're going to figure out some things you need to change. What needs to go? I hope it's some relationship habits. <laughs> I, hope, I hope it's there. But I'll but remember those keystone habits. If it's anything that'll help, if if it'll help you to start eating well or to exercise or to meditate, then you can start with those things and build up. But remember kind of one habit at a time, you know, give yourself 30 days to get something to be a habit and entrenched and then go on to the next one. Okay, everybody. Uh, that's it for today. As always, I'm really hoping that you've been checking out my YouTube channel. 
connection quickies. I will link to it in the show notes. If you haven't gone there yet, I'd love for you to subscribe to the channel. And every week I give a a very quick tool, five minutes up to 10 tops for deepening your connection and your love and your relationship with your partner. So I hope you tune into that and I can't wait to talk to you next week. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast at www.abbymedcalf.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.